Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I want to bring you back to the thought that we concluded with last week. How does God intend for the world to see Him, an invisible God? How does God intend for the world to see Him being the invisible God that He is? God intends for the world to see Him clearly in the life of His church. The Bible says in John 13 and verse 35, as Jesus spoke to His disciples, by this all people will know that you are My disciples if you have love for one another. The reason that this kind of testimony to the world is so powerful, the reason that this is such a clear and remarkable representation of the love of God to the world, the reason this love lived out by God's children, the church reveals the one true and living God to the world, is because this kind of love is not of this world. The kind of love that God intends to grow in His people, in us, His church, that He demonstrates to us through the Lord Jesus Christ is not of this world. You don't have to look far, be it in the workplace or in school or even over dinner at a local restaurant to see clearly a lack of love for other people. That is not to be the case with God's children. God's love working in and through God's children should be obvious to the world. And we have a part in that. God is at work in His people who who bear His image, who have His Spirit at work in them. God is at work in them. But we bear a part in that. In our studies... We've seen here, John has warned and exhorted God's church. The Bible is warning and exhorting you not to believe everyone who claims to be speaking God's truth. We saw it in 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6. He exhorts you to test the spirits and believe only the truth of the Bible. And then he moves from teaching you to be certain that you know the truth to being certain you practice the truth. Take steps to obey what you are learning from God's Word. That's John's message. Know the truth. Guard the truth. Guard yourselves from error and from from mistruth. And then practice the truth. In verses 7 through 12, the Bible has exhorted and appealed to you to love one another. We have heard this. This is a repeating theme in 1 John, to love one another. How critical it is that we, the church in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, love one another. How critical it is that the community that we live in, that we work in, that we play in, that we do business in, see God's people love one another so that they can see that God is real, that He is living, He is active. He is changing people, changing us. 
And now we come to this last section of verses in chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, and that's where we pick up this morning. And what we find here is that John brings the two exhortations together into one personal affirmation. The Bible here affirms to believers that their belief of the truth and their practice of the truth can be seen in them as they love one another. The Bible teaches this to us, and John connects this reality of the truth lived out in believers' lives, lived out in those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, lived out in the life of the church. John connects this reality of the truth lived out in believers to draw a few conclusions, and there are three conclusions that I want you to see as we look at verses 13 to 21. I'm going to give you the three conclusions so that you can spot them as we read the text together in our Bibles. These three conclusions have everything to do with how you are to live as believers in Jesus Christ. As we prepare to look at the Bible together, these three conclusions are what I want you to look for. Number one, first of all, you are commanded to love because love gives you assurance of salvation. Your growing love for God's people and your growing love for even those who consider you their enemies is evidence to you that you are a child of God. It's assurance of salvation. You are commanded to love because love gives you assurance of salvation. We'll see that in the text. Second, you are commanded to love because love gives confidence as you live this life and await the day of judgment. Gives you confidence to live this side of heaven where it seems like things are in turmoil wherever we turn. And often we look at our own lives and see turmoil. Thirdly, you're commanded to love because loving like Jesus is the only way to truly live. Now look at the Bible. In 1 John 4, picking up where we left off last week, beginning in verse 13, follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version, beginning in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17 says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has been perfected, has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So John's first conclusion seen in these verses is that you are commanded to love because love gives you assurance of salvation. 
You can see it in verses 13 through 16. Look at the Bible at verse 13 again. Verse 13, by this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. You can know, you can know you are Christ's and that He is living in you because if you're a child of God, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and Him alone, He has given you His Spirit to dwell in you. Now, you can't see the Spirit. If you tell me you can, we may need to have a little talk. You can't see the Spirit. You can't feel the Spirit. The Bible says in John 3.8 that the Spirit is like the wind, saying that the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. The Spirit is like that in your life. If you are a believer in Jesus, you can't see the Spirit. You can't feel the Spirit. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit, and you should see the effects of the Spirit on your life. And other people should see the effects of the Holy Spirit on your life. Look at the Bible in verse 14. And we have seen... And testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. It is your belief in the gospel that tells you that you have the Spirit living in you. Did you catch that? It is your belief in the gospel that tells you you have the Spirit living in you. Your belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior and forgiver of your sins is confirmation that you have the Spirit. Because belief in the gospel is only possible because of the ministry of the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. What I'm saying is, is that unbelievers cannot understand the gospel or their need for salvation unless the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to their hearts. You and I are to be messengers of that truth. We are to be truth bearers. We are to be gospel witnesses. And we ought to witness to everyone who will listen to us. And yet, we're not in control of who believes. God is in control of that. God, the Holy Spirit, moves in, opens the eyes, opens the heart of sinners to hear and say, Aha! What must I do to be saved? And praise God when that happens. That's not our work. That's His work. We are messengers The sharpest mind in the world cannot find the wisdom of God unless God reveals it to them. They can read the Bible, they can hear the gospel, but until God opens their spiritual eyes, 
in their spiritual hearts, they cannot see or receive. When you love as Christ loves, when you live out the truth of the Bible, you will know you have the Spirit. You will have assurance of salvation. When you believe the gospel, you can know you have the Spirit at work in you. Verse 15 points also to the truth that it's also your confession, your testimony that Jesus is the Son of God that assures you that you have the Spirit. Look at the Bible, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This is how we've come to know the wonderful and deep love of God for us. God ministers to our hearts. And as we take in the word of truth, we are ministered to by God, educating our souls, revealing to us the depths of His mercy and love for us. Look at the Bible in verse 16. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. There's a promise. There's a wonderful promise. As a believer in Jesus, you have the Spirit, and you have the testimony of the Spirit at work in you. And it's shown in your faith and in your belief in Jesus. If you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that belief isn't possible without the work of the Spirit in you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, and and these are our memory verses for this month. We recited these earlier together. But God, have I told you before how much I like those two words? But God. Those are wonderful words. But God. It's not you, but me. It's not, not, not you. It's not but you. It's but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead. That's why it's but God. We were dead, not but us. It's not we believed. It's God gave us belief. God gave us faith. And then we believed, but God, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, God's gracious gift. By grace you have been saved So you are assured of your salvation, as verse 16 states. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What the Bible is teaching you is that if you have the the Holy Spirit of God, you will love. You will be learning to love if you have the Holy Spirit of God at work in you, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you believe the gospel, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you will be learning to love as God loves you. You will love people who are a part of the family of God even when you do it imperfectly. You will know that when you do it imperfectly, you've still got a ways to go. You've still got some work ahead of you. You've still got some things to learn, and you will even learn to love people who declare you to be their enemy. That's the kind of love 
that God shows us while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and the Bible says we were enemies of his, he loved us. Does that mean you're perfect? It does not mean you're perfect. You aren't always faithful to love like this, are you? You aren't always faithful to love like this. We are not perfect. We need God's help in this. We have God's word in this, do we not? The question is, do you love God? Do you love to worship and serve Him? Are you grateful for the gift that He gives you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which we will remember in a few moments around the Lord's Supper? It does not mean we're perfect, but do you love God? Do you love to worship and serve Him? If so, then this is evidence of the indwelling presence of God the Spirit, and you can be assured of your salvation and you can know that you should be seeing signs of growth in this area of love. Now consider John's second conclusion seen in verses 17 and 18. His second conclusion, you are commanded to love because love gives confidence as you live this life and await the day of judgment. Look at the Bible, verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. You can have confidence as you await the Lord's return or you await for Him to call you home. It's what we heard the Bible say back in 1 John 2, verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. Believers in Jesus who live in love, who live the love that God is perfecting in them, can live with confidence confidence and boldness. The Bible says in 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You can live with confidence. If you have confidence that you are God's child, if you are being assured of your salvation by the love that is the result of the Holy Spirit's work in you, then you can live with confidence. You can face uncertainties. You can face opposition. You can face even hatred, even rejection by those in your own family who do not proclaim the name of Christ. You can live with confidence in the face of opposition and difficulty and hardship and heartache and heartbreak. You can live with boldness and without fear. You can see this is true at the end of verse 17 because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now what does that mean? That as he is, so also are we in this world. The Bible means here that as Jesus is before God, with your faith in Jesus, so are you before God. Just as Jesus could stand before the righteous judgment of God without fear, 
without flinching, so can God's adopted children. If you're a child of God, you're adopted into the family of God. You are brothers and sisters with Christ. And you can stand without fear before the righteous judgment of God because of Christ, because of your adoption into the family of God. This is your confidence that because of Christ's finished work for sinners, if you trust in Christ, you will be like him. We do that imperfectly this side of heaven. And we are called to to strive for, to work for obedience, to to glorify God, to bring great glory to him. And, And this too is intended for our joy, this obedience that we talk about. There's a day coming when we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We do that imperfectly this side of heaven, but yet we're called to to seek obedience. We have this to cling to and to look forward to. We heard the Bible say it when we studied back in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, God's people who are loved by God, beloved, We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We will see Him in His sinless perfection, and we will be done with sin. Here in chapter 4, verse 18, it goes further. Look at your Bible. There is no fear in love. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, with your faith in Jesus, you have no reason to fear God's just judgment His righteous judgment that is coming. You have no fear of the day of Christ's coming. You look forward to it instead. It can't come quick enough. There's no reason for you to fear if you're growing in God's love because God's perfect love casts out fear. But you might be thinking, well, can't a believer lack that confidence? I I, I can think of maybe times in my life when I've lacked that confidence. Maybe you think that or ask that question. I, I will agree with you. You can if you stray from communion with God in obedience to his word. And I mean, when I talk about communion, I don't talk about the Lord's Supper. This is an important act of obedience for us as a church. But I'm talking about the fellowship, the communion that you have with God through the word of God and through prayer. If you neglect those spiritual disciplines, if you neglect the word and prayer, you will lack communion and fellowship with God. And you will find yourself drawn away to sin. And you will lack confidence in Christ as you should. Because God does not want you to be happy and content in sin. He wants you to repent and return. Don't allow your sin to remain and hinder your fellowship with God or your assurance in Christ. Believer, if you sin, repent. Now in verses 19 through 21, we find John's third conclusion. His third conclusion, you are commanded to love because loving like Jesus is the only way to truly live. 
Look at your Bible at verse 19. A favorite memory verse of many. We love because He first loved us. Your life, if you are a child of God, is to be lived in love, walking out the love of Christ in this life. You love because you have the example of the love of Christ. You love because He first loved you. This perfect love toward the family of God and even toward those who call you an enemy, those who hate you, is the result of the perfect love with which God loves you. It's not possible in and of ourselves, which is a good reminder that we ought to praise God because we know as we look at our own lives, we are weak and frail in this at times, but we have what we need to learn to love those who do not love us in return. Now, if you're familiar with the King James Version, you may know the wording in verse 19 as, we love him because he first loved us. And while that is true that we love God only because he first loved us, that's not the way it's found in the most trusted ancient manuscripts. More accurately, if you have a New American Standard or an NIV, a New International Version, or an English Standard Version like I'm reading from this morning, those translations translate this passage, I think, properly. We love because he first loved us. We love one another. We love the saints. We love our enemies. Not by any measure of our own goodness do we love, but because he loves us first. He sets the example, and he gave the command. The Bible says it in John 13, 34. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You hear the have? I have loved you. And you are to love one another. We have the example and we have the command. And we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have the guidance of God's Word. We are well equipped to be on our way as God's church in this community to learn to love one another as Christ loves us, as God demonstrates His love to us through Christ. You love because as the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You love as a believer in Jesus because it is the nature of the child of God to learn to love. You love because he first loved you. But I want you to note something. Verse 20 says, if anyone says, are you looking at it? Look at verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has not, or whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. John is sounding a warning here. It's a warning we've heard before. It's a warning we're hearing again here. You can't say you love God 
who is invisible to the human eye, and hate the people of God whom you can see, who have God dwelling in them, if they're your brother and sister in Christ. If you say, I love God, but I can't stand so-and-so, it's time for self-examination. It's time to go back to the Word Do we have a hard time liking people? (laughs) Yes, we do. Do we have a hard time loving people? Absolutely. Is this in our old nature? No, it's not. Is this in our new nature? We should all be saying, yes, it is. Because God's Word tells us that this is a part of the new nature. With the Word of God in our hands, as we hide it in our hearts, with the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, we should be growing, growing in love toward one another and even growing in love toward those who would say they despise you. John is sounding this warning. You can't say you love God who's invisible to the human eye and hate the people of God whom you can see. If you do, John says you're a liar. It's impossible to say you love God and not love God's people. It's impossible to say, I love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not perfect at this, but I want to serve the Lord God with with everything that I have, and, and yet there are people that you are refusing to learn to love. Reality check time. You either don't truly love God And in that case, you need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved, forgiven your sins. Or if you're a believer, you're sinning and you need to repent and start learning to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we have this commandment from God, which emphasizes this third conclusion that you are commanded to love because loving like Jesus is the only way to truly live. And I appreciate the fact that this passage ends with this reminder, this commandment, and uses the word, and this commandment. It's not this suggestion, this guideline, this idea. The world we live in doesn't like Rules, standards, commands, commandments from God especially. But God's people who believe in the Son of God and His shed blood for them and God's people who hold the Word of God in their hands and hide the Bible in their hearts, God's people better take God's commands seriously. We have this commandment from God which emphasizes that you're commanded to love because loving like Jesus is the only way to truly live. If you want to know God's fullest joy, this side of heaven, you will take this command seriously. Look at the Bible, verse 21, and this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You must obediently pursue love, learn to love, practice love toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, it will take practice. 
But he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you. You have the word to convict you, correct you, instruct you. Believer, this is how God intends for you to show the world his love. You are to enter the academy of love and learn to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, the perfect love of Christ, growing in Christians, growing in God's people, flourishing in God's church, ought to be the most obvious and identifying mark of believers in Jesus Christ in this world where love, real love, is so uncommon. I remind you, the Bible says in John thirteen thirty-five, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love if you love if you have love for whom for one another for each other that's us it's you and me it's God's church in this place in this time in this day in this age That's how God intends for the world to see him. God wants the world to see him in his children, his obedient, growing, thriving, joy-filled, love-overflowing children. 